Welcome back to the InFitzel Podcast. I'm Adam. And I'm Jess. And it's been a an entirely entirely too too long, too long a time, like as far as like how long it's been since we did a podcast. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a uh well, if you count the uh the live podcast we did yeah okay whatever that was app is i can never remember that stereo stereo plug before we even get started in any of this we need a few caveats to to reigniting uh or, or starting what we could we could just call season three of the in pencil podcast we could just call it season three since season two was uh cut like short six. due to a writer's strike <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so a few plugs. A, the YouTube channel. Uh, I've been inactive a little while, same as the podcast. So look for new things on the YouTube channel coming up really soon. Uh, B, Stereo. Uh, we did a live podcast on the Stereo, this, on Stereo, which is still on the um, our, our accounts. So go, go check those out if you want. Links are on our website. And... Yeah uh what else what else we what else we working on uh i'm in a new location uh on the other side of the world from where i was a few months ago um he's in a bunker 1000 feet under the earth's core yes that's exactly right and i don't know how we have wi-fi here but we do (laughs) uh the room i'm recording in is effectively what I'm calling my new studio, although I haven't quite gotten it completely set up yet. Uh, so it may sound a little echoey, but the echoey is a compensation for the fact that now I no longer have birds and planes and trees and and scraping and all kinds of other weird stuff in the background of, of the audio. And now it's just a persistent echo. So enjoy that. Yes. And this is our first recording in this new location with Adam in his new location, which means there may be a little bit of lag here and there as we're still working out all the problems. So we apologize for that. That's just how it goes sometimes. Indeed, we are uh, on opposite sides of the globe at the moment and we'll be for the next year or so. So, yes. Now, I know what you, dear listeners, <clears throat> excuse me, I know what you're thinking. Well, shouldn't you each record your audio and then merge them together? No. That's, that's thinking too much. No. And we record our audio together. Way too much work. Yeah, it's more work than either of us want to do. Which, I mean, it's not, It's there's actually easy ways to do it, but we're just not going to do it. No. Easiness uh, is the name of the game here. That's what we do when we record our video playthroughs, video game playthroughs. We actually record two audios and a video when we put them all together. We put more work in the video playthroughs that get like four views than anything else, I think. <laughs> yeah. So lots to, lots to talk about. Um, lots to talk about. We've missed a lot of stuff over the past two months that have ha- that's happened. Minus um, our one uh, one-off live podcast where we talked about being a parent on Mother's Day. Yeah. So if you missed that, go back and go go through the link and, and look at it, listen to it. Uh, it's basically a a moral discussion about uh, reproduction and responsibility, basically. Yeah. 
we 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 don't get too heady, obviously, as you can tell. We we keep it very we keep it very out of the clouds and not get philosophical or anything. Of course. Yeah, of course. I'm saying with my hands behind my back and crossed, <laughs> fingers crossed, not hands crossed. That doesn't really mean anything. I guess it does. But so. Everything has meaning if you assign meaning to it. I mean, yes, that's how words work. That's how everything works. Anyway. Okay. So, All right. yes. So we are back. Uh, yes. Go and check out our YouTube channel because we just have a, a new video that is our most watched video that took over like in the past few weeks. Which one's that? Some, um, about the man named Error in Zelda 2. Oh, really? Somehow that's like taking off. It's just for the first time since uh, we put out the video mm. called About the Minus World and it took over number one. Mm pretty fast people really flock to it mm -hmm. and the man named era error era mm -hmm. no error in zelda 2 was kind of did kind of well at start and it is like doubled its number of views in the past year than it did on at release which is something none of our videos have done so i don't know where if it's hitting like a youtube algorithm that's doing well for it i mean granted none of our videos are having like a lot of views but it's just wild as I've watched it just rise, like just continue to rise. And it's just like way far ahead now. Huh. And I don't know why I cannot figure out why. That is interesting. Let me go see if I can find out where that might be coming from. Anyway. Yeah. It's I'll coming from YouTube. It, people are searching for it. I don't know why people are in the mood for Zelda two right now. We will get to some Zelda news later of why that might be the case, but I guess that's where it's coming from. Uh, people are really into Zelda 2 right now more than they're into Super Mario Brothers, which mm -hmm. makes sense. Super Mario Brothers 35th anniversary kind of ended earlier this year. And uh, this year is actually Zelda's 35th anniversary. Yeah. Uh, there was a... You reminded me of something just now whenever you were talking about Mario. There was like a new... I don't know if it's new or how old it is, but I saw something about a mod for Mario Odyssey called Luigi Odyssey. Have you heard of that before? I don't think I have. I'm trying to remember. When I saw it, I thought it was like an official release. And I was like, wait, did Nintendo release a, a mod for or a, a new version of Odyssey for Luigi? But it, it turns out it's just a mod. But anyway, I just thought that was, you know, cool. I haven't downloaded or, or played it or anything but i think it i'm not sure how it works anyway google it, luigi odyssey yeah. i guess if you're interested in it but i am uh, not because screw you luigi can't yeah. i can't get over what you did to daisy i, I don't know what i'm saying here what i don't know he? the whole mario lore <laughs> there are other i don't even know if there is mario lore <laughs> there are other better places for that uh than us yes also, if you're going, if you care about Super Mario Brothers for the plot and the story, man, wait till you hear about books. <laughs> They're gonna of books. blow your mind. <laughs> yes. Speaking of books, um, I took this time. This is not on our script or on our plan of <gasps> topics to discuss to discuss at all, but I took the time. Uh, while in multiple sessions of quarantine over the past few months in my travels to read through both Jurassic Park books. Um, 
Yeah. Well, I've been watching the, I've mentioned before, I think on, on here about the Camp Cretaceous uh, TV show that's yeah. on Netflix. They just put out season three. It's really good. It's pretty dark. There's another, um, there's a new, uh, what do they call it? Hybrid dinosaur. It's really freaking ugly. Um, anyway, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a new dinosaur. Um, it's insane looking and it's terrifying. So I took this time to go back and read the original um, uh, Michael Crichton books, Jurassic Park and The Lost World. If you've watched the movies and you enjoyed the movies and you haven't listened or you haven't read through the original Jurassic Park book and, and The Lost World book, you're, you're missing out because there was so much loaded into those books that never made it into any other form of media, especially not the movies or any video games or anything. It's, it's, it's packed full of a lot of like philosophical thought and moral and ethical dilemmas. And it, it, it's just uh, 10 times better than, than the movies. So I just wanted to plug those because those are worth taking a look at if you're interested in anything I just said. So, yeah. yeah. And what, if I remember correctly, one of the books was being written alongside as the movie was being made or something, right? The lost, well, so they, they made the, Michael Crichton wrote an original version of Jurassic Park. Um, it was centered around children and their experience with dinosaurs. Like if children were to experience dinosaurs in real life, that was like the premise of Michael Crichton's original book. And then he sent it to the publisher. The publishers didn't like it. Um, so then he rewrote what you got in the Jurassic Park book. And then he was friends with Steven Spielberg. They made that into the Jurassic Park movie. And then after that, they wanted new source material for another movie. So Crichton wrote The Lost World. And then they used like a few bits of The Lost World for the movie. And then that was it. Like most of The Lost World, the book is nothing like The Lost World, the movie, except for like a few, um, a few scenes are similar. Like the scene with the trailers on the cliff, that's similar, but for the rest part, like those books are completely different. There's no San Diego scene in the book. Like the whole part where like all that, that shouldn't have been one in the movie. <laughs> all that stuff that was tacked on to the end there where where the where the T-Rex goes to San Diego. Yeah, all that stuff is not, not in the book at all. Um, in fact, some things in the book align more with Jurassic Park three than it do with Jurassic Park The Lost World. So Oh, and don't go see Jurassic Park 3 if you haven't already. Um, (laughs) But I wanted wanted to read it because I wanted to see like how would, if if Michael Crichton were still alive, would he appreciate what's being done with Jurassic World and with Camp Cretaceous? And if you know that like he originally planned it to be a children's book, like not a children's book, but a book centered around children's experiences with dinosaurs, then the Camp Cretaceous thing is completely in line with what he intended Jurassic Park to be all along. So it's pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, obviously, I, I, I don't know if it's obvious, but it's about to be. I have not read Jurassic Park or The Lost World. I have seen Jurassic Parks 1 through 4, which includes Jurassic World. I have not seen right. whatever they put out after Jurassic World because I was Fallen like, Kingdom. okay. Fall Kingdom is just, just a stepping stone to get whatever to get to whatever they're planning on doing next with yeah. uh, Dominion, which should be coming out in approximately one year from today. Mm. Uh, so 
but they are, I think they're releasing a new video game soon. So hopefully it's not all the video games they've released so far have been like park builders more or less. So this one should be different. So can you have like a, can you build like a roller coaster that lands inside a T-Rex's mouth? <laughs> and, and I think that would go against like the spirit of, of the experience or whatever. It's supposed to have me like a whimsical experience that all goes wrong. Not oh. just like, you know, oh. death and destruction for the sake of death and destruction. Well, I know a lot of people have had a, this kind of change in topics, but mm-hmm. with the original Jurassic Park movie, I don't know about the book, but a lot of people say like, if you watch that movie, you will see the movie has a lot of themes about parenthood in it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, which if you have a sci-fi slash horror movie, almost you, you don't get it all the time, but a lot of times there's a deeper plot going on there. It's, it's generally very symbolic uh, and it's meaning something. And so I wouldn't be shocked if Jurassic Park isn't any different from that. Oh, um, if there's you want to get there's every movie, every movie in the Jurassic Park franchise um, has a subplot related to parenthood and some relationship to divorce or the loss of a parent, something like every single one of them. Uh, whether it's the first Jurassic Park with the two kids, Tim and Lex, the second Jurassic Park with Ian Malcolm's uh, kid, and then Jurassic Park 3 has Eric Kirby. And then Jurassic World has the two kids that were um, visiting the park to visit their aunt because their parents were going through a divorce. And then the fifth movie has the little, um, the little hybrid or not hybrid, uh, the clone girl, basically. So, hmm. not to spoil anything for anyone that hasn't seen it yet. How <laughs> dare you spoil this like five-year-old movie that I refuse <laughs> to see in theaters because I was like, nah. Just pop it up on Netflix. It'll be fine. Is it Enjoy on Netflix? It. I don't know. <laughs> it may be. But there's Jurassic Park and that's sci-fi movies of the 90s. What else sci-fi could be going on that may turn out to be true? Oh, nice, nice segue. Nice segue. When you point out the nice segue, it doesn't make it a nice segue anymore. Fuck. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So (laughs) what we're talking about next is, uh, as always, UFOs. Uh, This article that you sent me a link to a few weeks ago. From May 28th, from Politico, how Harry Reid, a terrorist interrogator, and the singer from Blink-182 took UFOs mainstream. So, go ahead. I was going to say, the first, the reason I sent that to you was not because of what the article's contents was. It's because it doesn't use an Oxford comma. (laughs) And if you don't know what an Oxford comma is, it's you go... A, comma, B, comma, and C. Right. But if you go A, comma, B, and C, that means it doesn't use the Oxford comma. So would this headline indicate that how Harry Reid, a terrorist interrogator, so would that indicate that Harry, Harry Reid is the terrorist interrogator? And the singer from Blink-182. He's and both. the singer from Blink-182. So Harry Reid would be, like, grammatically, for this headline, Harry Reid would be both a terrorist interrogator and the singer from Blink-182. Yes, that's kind of what it <laughs> kind of says. And there are some ways to do that without using an Oxford comma. You would say like how a terrorist interrogator, comma, Harry Reid, 
and the singer of Blink-182 or something like that, or the singer Blink-182, comma, a terrorist interrogator and Harry Reid. Mm. You don't put the person's name first <laughs> and then have some descriptions afterwards. Uh, what is the classic? Have you ever, what's the classic one? It's in the book. I don't know if it's real. I think it might be. Uh, oh, it's, um, you'd have to look this up. But it's a classic use of needing the Oxford comma where in the thank you part of the book where you open up the book and it says, I'd like to thank. And it said, I'd like to thank my parents, comma, Ayn Rand and God. <laughs> so the parents would be Ayn Rand yeah. and God. <laughs> Which is a terrible combination of parents, I think. Yeah, especially since one is an atheist and the other one is, well, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Interesting. Like, yeah, and so it's just that classic. You got to be careful if you're not going to use the Oxford comma to make sure it makes sense. Um, I'm pro Oxford comma. How hard of a rule is the Oxford comma? Because I've seen I've seen uh, conflicting reports on like whether or not it's an actual grammatical rule or whether or not it's like a personal preference kind of thing. So here's the thing about grammatical rules. They're decided by the organization, like mm. the AP, the New York Times, Politico. They probably all have their different rules of how you capitalize things, how you spell email. Like is the E in email capitalized? Is there a hyphen after the E and before the mail? Like these are rules that each organization creates on its own because something that is important to know you're like, well, what does it say in the dictionary? Dictionaries aren't definitive. Right. They, they don't prescribe right. what is language. And Dictionaries so, are descriptive, not prescriptive. Thank you. I was trying to think, wait, there there's you go. a famous phrase to this. Yeah. Um, and, they, they, and they change. Dictionaries mm. change over time. Like what, the rules we have change. Uh, singular they is for a long time have been very contested, but it's literally been used for hundreds of years. Mm. Uh, and it's now considered acceptable in a lot of writing things. Also, right. like, say, it's me is technically inaccurate. You should never say it's me and be grammatically correct. But if someone ever says it's I, you stay far away from that person because <laughs> that person's strange. But which is more, which is, which is technically the correct way to, to, to say that. It's I is, is, it's I follows the grammar rules. It's me follows the societal rules of what is it's, normal conversation. It's I would be IT apostrophe S sewing possession. Or no, wait, no, it would just be ITS, right? It's no, it, it's what I mean, like the sentence, it is I. Yeah. We're going to say, who is there? And you're like, it is I, Jessica, or it is me, Jessica. What is the proper abbreviation of it's though? Would it be? Oh, it would be with? IT apostrophe S. Yes. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyway. yeah, yeah, so like nobody says it that way. That That's technically correct, but you wouldn't say it's I. Right. Because it doesn't flow with how language works. And what's important about the rules of language is not necessarily what's right and what's wrong. It's what's used and what's understandable because all language is for is so people can understand each other. Right. right. And so we make up these rules. And English is a very uh, advanced version of, of, of multiple languages. Like it's multiple languages merged together and then it's gone worldwide, which has changed it and it's evolved the language a lot. So 
uh, when we say advanced, advanced is another way of saying simplified in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. So it's a very simple language and you can see this. It's a very easy, simple language. We don't really have many conjugations and stuff. And so doing, this is how we are. We just change the word because that's how every language does it. So let's talk about Blink-182 and Top the Long yes. real quick. Let's actually get to the contents of this article, which is, <laughs> so, I sent it to you because of the weird headline, which has nothing to do with who wrote it. Who wrote the headline and who wrote the article? Probably two very different people. But the contents and gets to a bigger picture of what's been going on since we've been gone. Well, and so, all right, so let's just do, let's see, it's the bluff, the bottom line up front here. Bottom line up front, this article points out the the um, the conversation around UFOs and UAPs that's been happening in the past couple of years uh, is so. There's there's a few problems with this, uh, but let's talk about how it started first of all. Um, a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Tom DeLong gathered. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Wait, is this the story of Scientology? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's the story of uh, UFO teleology. So Tom DeLong. I think gathered... it's ufology. Whatever. That's what I was. I mean to say that, but then I was trying to like twist it. You don't miss the don't miss the forest for the trees here. Um, so dude gathers all these uh, high ranking. Um, Pentagon, military officials, whatever, gets their stories together. I'm, I'm giving you like a really short version of this um, and creates, basically writes or um, guides the writing of the secret machines, novels and nonfiction books. And then um, subsequently um, reels in Chris Mellon uh, and Lou Elizondo from the Pentagon. They leave the Pentagon. Uh, Lou Elizondo was the head of ATIP. Uh, which is Advanced Aerial Threat Intercept Program back in the 2000s. And um, they they all joined to the stars and the agenda was to push towards some sort of uh, UFO disclosure, more or less, for, for the, to, to coerce the government uh, through a publicly funded uh, company called To The Stars Academy into um, basically... Uh, disclosure, admitting that UFOs and, and UAPs, uh, aliens, more or less exist, basically. So that's yeah. Like so we should we should define like I was going to say we should real quickly define when we say UFO or UAP, we're not just talking about things that haven't been identified. Like it's a bird, and you don't know no. what it is on the radar. Which most is of this conversation, common... most of this conversation is centered around the the. The videos from military ships and aircraft that have, have been circulated in the past couple of years. Yes. Um, and that, yeah, go ahead. And I was going to say, and there are a lot of good arguments, counter arguments to its aliens. And we're not going to really get into that today because we, we don't want to spend too much time, but we should get into that in a future podcast about this point, what, it no could and could, what, it, what it may or may not be and how in the end, there is no evidence to suggest that it is alien that they that these things are alien or human origin. It, it, the, the conversation is mute is moot at this point because yeah. I was about to say mute, which would have been an incorrect use of that word. Uh, the conversation is moot at this point because the DOD um, 
Department of Defense, the U.S. Navy, they started. Um, That's the United States Navy. U.S. Yeah, they. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you you say out you say out your acronyms first, and then later on you can use your acronyms accordingly. Yeah. Um, UFO is uni- unified uh, fidgeting uh, <laughs> organism. <Fidget spinner>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, all right. So this article credits Tom DeLonge with doing all this. Now, recently, these people, Chris Mellon um, and Lou Elizondo and the other guy, Jim, I think, uh, Jim Simivan. I don't remember who else, but at least Chris Mellon and, and Lou Elizondo left to the Stars Academy and basically are kind of doing their own thing, still working towards... Um, Still working towards uh, disclosure, but oh, is it Harold? I can't remember which one, which other one left. It was either Harold Putoff or Jim Simivan. Simivan, I don't know. Um, we will try to get to more of this information in our update podcast called UFO. Hey, you. All right. So anyway, there's there's I some problems. I didn't have a good name for the podcast. <laughs> there's some problems with all of this. Um, I think I think Tom DeLong's agenda from the beginning of, of wanting to move towards disclosure, it came from a, a, a good place. But I think that as soon as you start involving people who have worked in the Pentagon, then everything becomes about militarization. So um, now I think part of the agenda is to use the idea that we don't know what these things are, whether or not they're Russian or Chinese or alien or whatever to justify more military research, more or less, which is part of the, there's a U.S. Army contract that um, to the STARS one, to, like to the STARS Academy, one, a contract with the U.S. Army to um, basically uh, research um, technology centered around found, found pieces of um, identified metal that may or may not have come from the Roswell crash. Um, so anyway, uh, all of this is basically leading towards more militarization, more military research, um, and less. It's less about disclosure now, and it's more about um, utilizing the military in another way. We're just funding the military, funding the military, funding contracts. It's, it's basically become in, ingrained in the military-industrial complex. So I think that's probably why these people who are ex-Pentagon officials. Um, left to the stars academy and are now doing what they're doing um still working towards disclosure but from that angle of militarization uh like oh there's this threat that like if you watch the unidentified series on uh the history channel the whole the whole thesis throughout that series is there's this unidentified thing we may or may not consider it a threat and we may or may not need to figure out how to deal with this threat like, and that's the language that you use anytime there's a perceived threat for anything to justify more spending, um, more allocation of funds, more military research, all this other stuff. So that's that's sort of my two-minute abbreviation of everything that's been going on with this UFO thing. The Pentagon at this point still has 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 no indication they're going to admit whether or not this was they consider this to be alien or not. Um and so they're basically just like, well, is it alien? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. And the more that you have the question, the more you can spend money on finding the answer, 
right? So that's what it's all about. And um, they may already have the <clears throat> answer. Oh, I'm sure they do. Oh, I have no doubt about it. They do. But yeah, they know but, whether or not that was a seagull or uh, ET. I don't know, it wasn't a seagull. Seagulls don't move that fast. But um, I don't know. Anything. Have you ever seen a seagull going after your ice cream? Well, it wasn't anything that, that humans can, can create, um, at least at this point. At least that we're aware of, unless it's some top secret technology from, I highly Sports. doubt China and Russia are technologically advanced enough to be able to create something like this, but that's- It's the, us from the future. That's always a possibility. Maybe it's a time warp. Maybe um, maybe there's like, a, a, what do they call it? A portal at some point in that these geographical regions that allow um, spacecraft or whatever to travel in and out of different uh, dimensions, whatever. Maybe it's something, maybe it's nothing. Who knows? All yeah. I know is, all I know is they want to spend more money on researching it. So that's, that's yay the money. Thing. That's the thing. So, so they can blow it out of the sky. In other, in other news, I just recently watched Arrival for the second time. Speaking of one to, have you ever seen the movie Arrival? No. Oh, it's uh, it, it, Amy Adams, mm, Jeremy Renner, uh, mm. Force Whitaker. Uh, alien spacecrafts come to Earth, mm. and she plays. I think I have seen that. Uh, I think I have. Is that the one where the? Um... Don't give away plot. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. I won't. Yeah, I already did that with Jurassic World. I think, or one of the ones. Anyway. Well, you you uh, you gave away. Well, you might have given away plot to the most recent one, but I was like, you gave away some of the plot to the Lost World, which woohoo! That's a third twenty-five year old movie. So yeah. The yeah. statute of limitations on giving away the plot ends after like 10 years, I think. Yeah. Well, the Fallen Kingdom, I gave away a little bit of it too. But... And that's probably about as old as Arrival. So how dare you? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But regardless, um, just as a reminder, yes, all this, all these videos were available on the Black Vault before Tom DeLong and To the Stars and Lou Elizondo and everyone else got a hold of them. But Tom DeLong. Uh, if it weren't for Tom DeLong's participation in this, then none of this stuff would have come to light to begin with, and we wouldn't even be having this conversation. So Tom DeLong does deserve some credit for popularizing or, or, or reigniting the conversation around uh, UFOs and UAVs. Um, whether or not it deserves, honestly, some people think- What is a UAV? UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. A UAV is an unidentified aerial vehicle, which is something completely different. That's uh, like a drone. What's a UAA? Uh, unidentified aerial animal. <laughs> What's a UAD? Unidentified aerial um, something inappropriate is what I'm thinking right now, so I'm not going to say it. <laughs> that guy just draw up in the stars. <laughs> Or in the they're sky. having videos they're having videos in of navy pilots drawing penises in the sky and getting this one for it so just google like navy penises i guess so here's the thing <laughs> i wonder how much it costs to actually do that i mean like how much in tax dollars gets sent for them to do that so that makes me think like oh this is a great use they normally do it they normally do it whenever they're out on practice flights anyway so it's normally not much of a difference it's just the aesthetic of it like people don't like you know the navy doesn't like to be known for having 
people draw penises in the sky. It's just like NASA had the the rover draw penis on the on the on the on the uh, surface of Mars. Uh, Was that purposeful or accidental? I, I, don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't even know that's a real photo. I just saw it. And I just yeah. Came, yeah. The, the thing makes me think that either that was accidental or it's fake is because the, the walking around on Mars or driving around for drones is like a mm. very tedious process and they have to take a very specific line or they can like hit something that will stall it. It right. means that the, the, the rover is done. Right, but the controlling people who are controlling this are very, probably very bored and possibly I don't know. virgin it, scientists. <laughs> well, some might be. I, I, I think most are probably like the general population of married versus unmarried. And I'm just applying the stereotype as on there. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's as easy as just driving a drone around here or driving an RC car around here because there, it, it, the process tells you the, like i know it takes several minutes to communicate signals yeah. back and forth yeah absolutely and if you hit a rock that you can't get over and you get stuck well you just i think one of them did get stuck wasn't it i think I one mean, of them did get stuck for quite a while that, that yeah. happens because they they're still guessing sometimes they're just using the data that they have and you could fall into a sinkhole or something and boom there goes billions of dollars yeah it's yeah it's a risk but yeah, it's a risk the weird. U.S. government is willing to make with your taxpayer money. So congratulations. You know how little <laughs> money is getting spent on NASA versus oh, I know. penis drawing airplanes? It's probably the same budget. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Like NASA gets so little of the U.S. government's money. Yeah. It's the defense gets all the money. And where yeah. is that money going? I just okay. So there's another thing that just happened. Um, Bezos. Uh, Bezos has what? What's the space thing he has? What's it called? Bezos uh, has like a SpaceX equivalent. Oh god. Oh what yeah. Is it called? He, what is this called? And they just won he... like an eight million dollar or eight billion dollar. Wait, Blue Origin. I'm gonna assume billion because eight million does not yeah, sound like it could be much of anything. Blue. There's Bezos. Blue Origin. Bailout. It's um, yeah, Senate prepping a ten billion dollar bailout fund for Bezos' space firm. So because they lost a bid for a NASA contract to SpaceX, uh, the government's gonna is giving them a ten billion dollar bailout. Oh well, that makes no sense whatsoever. Meanwhile, there was something else. Bezos did something else. All right, I gotta research this, and we'll talk about it in yeah. the next podcast. But anyway, billionaires making money off of being off of trying to go to space. I'm telling you, the amount of money that goes into all of this, it's 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 unbelievable. And the fact that we can't afford anyway. That's yeah, I'm trying to figure out why like SpaceX is getting. Well, I guess I know why they're get why these companies are getting U.S. dollars uh, so they don't go to the next highest bidder, I guess, right? It's all so they stay the, with the US. It's all part of the 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 defense agenda, you know, it, it's yeah. and again, what we're talking about is space exploration gets like a very small percentage of the entire defense budget goes to space. Right. Most of it goes to building bombs. 
that we don't need because we have enough bombs to destroy the world multiple times over. Yes, as does Russia. Yeah. And like, I don't know how many nukes China has, but I'm sure they're probably not far behind. Yeah, we're like building more bombs so we can have more precise blowing up of things. It's like, okay. Something else Why are you still killing civilians? Something else happened since our last podcast. I wanted to touch on real quick. When when a ship runs aground in the Suez Canal and clogs up traffic, I forgot about under, this happening. Under, I just thought about it. <laughs> when a ship runs aground, not really runs aground, it kind of gets stuck in the Suez Canal and clogs up merchant traffic transiting from transiting from the Mediterranean Sea to the Red Sea, and basically uh, puts on hold or delays. Uh, God knows how many. What was it like? I don't even know how many billions or trillions of dollars, but anyway, all this cargo and oil and everything else from all over the world. That is an insane uh, design flaw, I feel like. So part of this comes from like the idea. So shipping companies are uh, making their ships larger and larger, right? But the Suez Canal isn't getting larger and larger. Ports like Miami, and Jabal Ali and all these different ports around the world, they aren't getting deeper and deeper so that they can accommodate these larger and larger ships. But shipping companies are building all these larger and larger ships to save money on fuel. And the fewer ships you have, the more stuff you can shove on one ship than the fewer amount of ships that you need. And the fewer crew you need, the less money you need to spend on gas, all sort of stuff. And but let's the also say, the better for the environment, technically. Uh because there's less from one perspective yes but if you think about all the dredging and all the preparation to all these ports that needs to be done because oh, yeah, miami and new york um norfolk jabali any of the other in tokyo all these ports need to be able to accommodate these larger and larger ships with these larger and larger drafts right and most of them can't so they keep having to spend more taxpayer money first of all on revamping their ports, redredging, building new key walls, uh, basically building new piers, all this other stuff. So maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe one shipping company saves a few million dollars and saves a few, a, you know, a few million or billion gallons of whatever on gasoline or what, uh, fuel, but that costs to the environment and to the tax is basically passed on to the taxpayer because the cities and the ports have to go through and revamp their ports to accommodate larger and larger ships. It's just another way that corporatism rules the world. <laughs> it also like lets you know like what's what I know the Panama Canal recently, I don't know how recently, but like in the past like 30 years or so, they opened up new ports for to accommodate bigger ships. And the Suez Canal oh, the has locks. like yeah, they have locks. Yes. Sorry, yeah, yeah new locks. because uh, yeah. most of the Panama Canal is not tiny. It's actually a a a lake, I believe. Yeah. Yep. So yep. it's pretty big. Yep. Um, or I guess big enough. I guess. Uh the Suez Canal has like just a well, if you ever look at it, it's a very narrow lane. Yeah. Except for some parts where it's two narrow lanes. Yeah. And they yeah. were like, well, the part where the ship got stuck, well, they didn't see any need to have two lanes here. Right. Which is like it, it's not designed for ships that large. They allow them to go through because what else are they going to do? Tell them to go around South Africa. These companies have billions of dollars and there's all sorts of 
different investments and trade agreements and all this other crap that goes into all this that allows this one ship to transit through this integral portion of the of of the global maritime trade um, system. It lets you know, yeah, a uh, corporations rule the world, but my goodness, just a little wind will take out take the corporations. It was it was a sandstorm, just just uh, you know in the defensive. I don't think it was any any fault on anybody on the. It, it's yeah. just round pegging it in a square hole, right? Yeah, and I mean that's the thing. Like this, just something so simple that happens that's not abnormal. This is just a regular occurrence that I assume happens on a semi-regular basis in that part of Egypt Mm. that happened, and it took and it just clogged up the entire world's trade and shipping for weeks two weeks i don't even oh, know it, it, was. it was probably at least a month it probably, i don't even know if they well i mean yeah it, like if you take a it, it, the the ship was only clogged i think like nine or ten days i can't remember yeah, but yeah. it backed but after up effect, so many things yeah. yeah who knows how long it took to fix that i don't I even know say, if it's been fully fixed for all uh, we know it has i mean yeah it, it, it everything's so? running smoothly now but i think i think the the cost i saw was like 14 billion dollars to the global shipping industry i think somewhere i saw that cost which is an unfathomable amount of money to me, but um, yeah, and it's what so. Jeff Bezos makes, makes in like a week. <laughs> yeah, he breathes and he shits out a million dollars. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. every um, uh, every time he uh, he talks to somebody and says every time he if he opens the door for someone it costs a million dollars to that person and then yeah. he charges them. <laughs> Yeah, the income. He'd be the type of guy I think who would charge him. The income inequality across the globe is is unfathomable. Um, and we we uh, we also know as to Americans that we are in the top echelon of. Uh, yeah, but that's because making money. Literally, the rest of the world makes absolute shit for money. Like there are there are people who work in some of the richest countries in the world who are making less than like. Like people who work in like offices, like normal day jobs, not like working at McDonald's or any other like menial. There are people who are working actual professional jobs uh, in places like um, Dubai or New York that are making like basically low income level, like poverty line level wages. Um, And it's insane. Manila, Tokyo, everywhere. So yeah, it's insane. That's not what this podcast, this episode is about. We let's talk about E3. Let's talk about let's E3. Talk, let's, let's finish on a high note yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, of positive. It. I'll let you lead this discussion since I'm not really okay. too informed. So, yes. So E3 is like a video game Christmas. And it's something I've liked since a kid. And I'm just going to do a little quick backstory. I remember when I was in college many years ago, uh, some friends and I, we would like watch E3 all uh, the, I think it was uh, G4 TV. Does that sound familiar? Mm, I'm not sure. I think it became Spike TV after a while or something I like that. I do remember Spike TV, yeah. So it was a video game television channel and like X-Play was on it. I can't, I think it was G4, but I can't remember. And they would be live at E3. And this was in the olden days where fans couldn't go and video game expo was not something where every where you could just watch it on the internet because nobody cared 
Nobody mm. cared to like have this on TV except for this one channel. And we'd get all the updates and we'd get all the trailers that came out. And it was such a fun thing. And then over the years, it became more fan centric. And that's what it's been for like the past 10 years. Um, more fan centric. And also you can see it online. And so upcoming uh, is E3 2021. There was no E3 2020. They canceled it. Right. Uh, E3 2021 will not be in person. It's all online, uh, which is hopefully works. E3 is such a like a really cool thing to go to. I know for those who've been, they've talked, uh, they've talked to me or I've heard them talk about it. Um, like in E3 2019, they had a, a Legend of Zelda diorama of for their upcoming game, Link's Awakening, and mm. then like 2016 or it was 2017. No, it was 2016. They had like Breath of the Wild for Nintendo. I'm talking about Nintendo specifically. They right. had on their on their area, it was like all set up to be Breath of the Wild. And I think it was New Donk City in 2017 for from Super Mario Odyssey. Uh, so it's these big like things that they do. And there are other places that have like, uh, I think Fortnite had its own. I forgot what Fortnite had. Fortnite set up one year. And it had its own like little competitive area, like bouncy castle or something. I can't remember, but they each do these big, big things because it's mm. for the fans when it became fan centric. But the big thing that comes out of E3 is new hardware and new software, which means new video games. Mm. And uh, that's coming up. And there are a lot of things people are caring about that could be announced. PlayStation will not be at E3 because they've decided not to do that. Hmm. But one company, well, two companies will be there, Xbox and Nintendo. And Nintendo is solely at E3. Um, PlayStation's at a different using with a different brand. And Xbox doing is doing, I think, Summer Games Fest is the other one that's going on. Xbox is doing both, I believe. But E3 is solely do is Nintendo is solely doing E3. And let's face it, Nintendo created the online, what they call the Nintendo Direct. They kind of created what it is as it is. And like right. everybody copies off of what they did because of how they did it well. Um, they so what are, you doing excited? what are you excited about from E3? Uh, my biggest excitements are going to be uh, A, just to see this stuff like i loved like in 2019 i just watched all the e3 announcements i didn't even care about what was coming out on playstation because i wasn't well playstation wasn't at 2019 i don't think they might have been i don't remember um i don't even care what's coming out on xbox or playstation truthfully because i'm not going to be buying it (laughs) i don't have an xbox or playstation but it's still fun to see like what what cool new games are going on but the main thing i'm excited for is there's probably going to be new Zelda information about their upcoming sequel to Breath of the Wild. Um, really? That's what that's a big belief is what this E3 is going to have in it. And also we're going to know like who are the next Super Smash Brothers characters. Okay. Uh, and, and a lot of video games we know nothing about yet. Some we do. There mm. will be some discussion of video games that we already know about. But... Um, probably some Zelda information, which I think is why our Zelda video is getting a little bit more traffic is because Mm. people are really, really caring about Zelda right now, trying to figure out what's going on and seeing everybody's theories. We do not do theory videos on, um, on what might happen in the future, uh, because I don't think that's, uh, that's just speculation. I don't care to get into 
in a video. Uh, I'll do it on a podcast because it's so much less work mm. to just say something off the cuff than it is to actually like sit down and edit and try to come up with something coherent and cool and catchy that's going to be proven wrong in a week right, right, than right. a podcast where like, I don't know, maybe this will happen, maybe it won't. Uh, yeah. But yes, so I am very excited about the potential for new Zelda content, maybe new Mario content. Those yeah. are the two games I play the most. The only thing I'm looking forward to from any E3 is anything on Fallout. So I'm looking right now to see if there's anything on Fallout that's being rumored for uh, E3. The only thing I'm seeing from Bethesda is Starfield and Elder Scrolls. I'm not seeing anything on Fallout. So yeah. I might not really care about this one, honestly. E Let's see. Bethesda, of course, just got bought out by Microsoft. Yes, they did. So that means, I don't know if that happened since we last talked. I don't remember when that happened, but they, I don't know, uh, they may not be doing another Fallout anytime soon because they're trying to get the Elder Scrolls 6 done. I wish they would just push Fallout New Vegas and Fallout 3 onto the Switch so I could actually play it. That I don't be. have an Xbox right now. And uh, just remaster Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas because those games are fucking masterpieces they remastered skyrim like 12 times and they won't <laughs> have you seen the jokes where they're like you can play skyrim on this and that and it's everything you can play skyrim on your computer there's a skyrim on the alexa I mean, like you can ask alexa like yeah. to play skyrim and she'll like take you through i don't i've never played skyrim so i don't know all the, all, or any other scrolls game i don't know all the things but um yeah you can I, they, they made an app for it on the on the alexa I wonder if that started out as a joke. And I said play Skyrim sure on did. your computer. I meant it, the joke was supposed to be play Skyrim on your refrigerator. And I screwed up the joke <laughs> I just said. So if Where'd you listened a few minutes ago where I accidentally said that, I screwed up my own joke. Where did I see that? I saw that somewhere where someone was actually doing that, playing Skyrim on their refrigerator. I'm going to Google it. Right I quick. mean, it makes sense. You could do it. Like you could program um, those. It's a computer screen. So yeah it doesn't take probably much work if you know what you're doing oh it's from a um oh yeah there's some trailer it's it's a thing it's a thing if you just google skyrim on the fridge it's, it's a thing and it's got key and uh keegan michael whatever his name is from key and peel keegan michael oh. peel yeah or whatever his name is it's got him um key his last name is key, key i thought it was key and peel P jordan peel Jordan Peele. That's right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Wait. Are we doing this wrong? I don't know. Hold on. It, it doesn't. And Peele. One of the Here two. Here we are clearly knowing people's names. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, it's got him in a commercial. I remember seeing it now. Yeah. I don't know when that came out, but anyway, just remaster Fallout Three for for. Maybe they will. I mean, remaster is an easy way to make money, and I mean, if you put a game out on the Switch. You can make you could sell a million copies pretty easily. Oh, and people want it. Okay, before we before we wrap up, let's talk about uh, August first, twenty twenty one, in Grant Park, Chicago. Lollapalooza concerts are going back. Um, yeah, concerts are coming back, and then yes. Lollapalooza is one that I wish I could go to. Um, I, I know Jars of Clay actually had one recently. Uh, outdoor socially distant concert i did not get to go to it nice uh, but i'm glad to see some of these coming back i wonder how how it will how they'll carry maybe you know what 
maybe people in the back will actually be able to see the band now because of social distancing. That would be amazing. <laughs> I'm going to one at uh, on Bonnaroo Farm, the farm at Bonnaroo that's socially yeah. distant. That's kind of cool. They're set up uh, in a few weeks. Who is it? Who are you going to see? Uh, the Avett Brothers. Nice. So that will be my first concert back. I'm excited to see how they do Lollapalooza um, since it's probably like one of the bigger festivals. And I'm just going to name some of my favorite bands that are playing here. I wish I could go. Jimmy Eat World, All Time Low, Angels and Airwaves, Limp Biscuit, Young the Giant. Uh, who else is playing that I care about? Foo Fighters, Brockhampton, Modest Mouse, uh, Ren for short. Uh, I think there's all the ones that I care about. Illinium, uh, he's doing, I don't know what Illinium does for a concert because he's a DJ or a producer. Same with Marshmallow. I'm not sure how they do their concerts, but um, Megan the Stallion. Yeah, I like to see how these things, how this festival plays out. Four days. I've seen two of those bands live. Who's that? Uh, Jimmy Eat World and Foo Fighters. You saw Jimmy Eat World live? Yeah, I think. Double check. At probably at, at Bonnaroo, right? Uh, hold on. Let me remember. I know I've seen them live. Let me make sure I remember where I've seen them live. <laughs> do, 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 do. Wait, can we sing that? Probably not. I think we just violated copyright. Anyway. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's a free festival here in Nashville called Live on the Green. That's, That's where right. I saw it. That's right. Like, Live on the Green. I saw yeah. it was Matt and Kim into Jimmy Eat World, and it was the weirdest experience I've ever had. <laughs> it's not too I saw Matt and Kim when they opened for Blink-182 and My Chemical Romance, and I hated them then. I'm still not really a big fan. But I, I really I really enjoyed it. Like I put it in my top 10 concerts of all time, but I put them two together because of how it was. I thought after Matt and Kim, it would calm down. And no, Matt and Kim just hyped up the audience for Jimmy Eat World. That's crazy. Jimmy Eat World is a really good band, though. They're yeah. really underrated. They're only known for the middle, but they have so many other. Yeah, I was talking to a friend about them. I think I remember back when it happened and I was like, you know, the middle, but yeah. do you also know sweetness? Because I remember mm -hmm. sweetness and she was like, no, I've never heard this song before. And I was like, oh, this is yeah. such a good song from that time period of them. Yeah. And then, of course, they had some new stuff that they were playing that was playing on the radio. And I've already forgotten what it is because yeah. I'm not the world's biggest Jimmy World fan. Sorry. They just put a new album out. I think it was either this year or last year. Um Anyway, they're really good. All Time Low, same thing. They just put a new album out. Um, who else? Angels and Airwaves is about to release a new album, um, which a new single for that came out last week or the week before called Euphoria. So, yeah, that it's, it's really good. Um, anyway, that's I think that's yeah. everything we wanted to talk about for now. Yeah, we've got plenty more to talk about that we did not get to. Because I did oh. not get to Bo Burnham's new special, but we'll talk about that next time. And this was just a, a shotgun round yeah. of topics that um, we wanted to touch on before we dive back into our longer, more focused discussions yes. on certain things and whatnot. Aliens. <laughs> Aliens. 
Yes. A lot of alien stuff to discuss. There's so much going on right now in, in, the, in the UFO, UAP, alien, paranormal, supernatural community. What is there. UAZ? Unidentified aerial zebras, obviously. <laughs> just flying zebras. <laughs> Hopefully flying. Otherwise, they're just falling to their death. Hmm. Parallel dimensions. We need you to have a list of what all the UA and then the letter after it so you can define it all for us. Put that out on the website for I'll us. I just make one for every single letter in the alphabet. Yeah. And I identified aerial gargoyles for G. And I identified aerial uh, um, igloos. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It could be wrong. He. <laughs> And identified aerial jack-o'-lanterns for Jay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. All right. What else we got before we wrap up? Uh, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, we've got, uh, we're going to try to put out some more videos on YouTube. I'm actually yes. currently working on a new series that uh, I explained to Adam and he thought it was, I think, the dumbest thing I've ever come up with. <laughs> I was confused by it, but I think it'll make sense in, yeah. in, the, in the execution. It'll probably make more sense than in yeah. the idea phase. It is something, it's a video idea that I've had for like six years, I think. Yep. And I've just never done it. And I'm like, why not now? And it's related to what our, uh, our new direction for our YouTube channel, which is music and video games. Mm. So it's going to stay in that line. And the first one is about music uh, in this series, but it's going to just kind of bounce around about a lot of different things. But yes, I have a new series that we're working, that I'm working on and old series that I'm also working on. And I will start working on some stuff whenever I get my my office situation set up here completely. At the moment, it's still scattered. So we need you to play like Microsoft Flight Simulator and talk about UFOs. I'm not playing Flight Simulator. That seems like the most boring experience. <laughs> I'd rather just look on. I'd rather just fly around on Google Map VR or something for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> What's Which the is difference? A thing. Google Earth VR is a thing, by the way, just so ah. in case you're curious. Well, I did not know that, but now I do. All right. Okay. Well, that's it. Yes. Thanks for listening. And uh, we're back, hopefully. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. I've been Adam. And I've been Jess. All right. See you. See you next time. Life is not written in ink. We change, we grow, we make mistakes, we learn, and eventually we fade away. Life is written in pencil. Thank you for listening to the In Pencil Podcast.